0: Let's just be quiet for a moment, can we? I don't think there's enough reverence in our lives, is there? So Lord, we want to give you all the distractions, all the, the thoughts that so easily run through our heads, sometimes good and sometimes bad, or just the busyness of soul is so hard to mindful of you. As Paul said, the ears of our hearts, would you help us to open those ears of our hearts and hear your word. Lord, help me not to get in the way of what you want to say to each and every one of us. In your name we pray, amen. Now you can be seated. No, 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 not yet, no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> Such a beautiful set, Jedediah, in reverence. We should hire that guy, don't you think? Man. So <clears throat> when was the last time that you found yourself at a loss for words? Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, sorry, cracking myself But When was the last time you were just rendered speechless? You're in a conversation or you, you hear a song and something so overwhelming. You're like, I got nothing. Or, or something so surprising. I was, uh, I remember distinctly, um, I was in the car with our our middle kid, Cambria, and she was in uh, middle school. And I'm driving along, and she is uh, sharing all of these uh, challenges with her friends. You know, so-and-so said this, and then I said this, and then, you know, social media was thrown in there, Instagram, and, you know, I, and I'm thinking to myself, oh the the complexity of middle school girl drama who who can dwell in that mystery right <laughs> and all of a sudden she says so dad i really need your advice what should i do <laughs> yeah i had nothing right i i, I well uh, so You know, so my first thought is, you've got to be kidding me. I don't know what, what am I supposed to, how am I supposed to lean into this? My second thought was a prayer. Help me Jesus, I I don't know what. And I think I remember this so distinctly because like, I'm like shooting a prayer like, oh, I guess I should have been paying attention in a better way. Lord, help me give some counsel. This is so great. She's turning to me, even though I have no idea what to say. And she's like, dad, say something, right? Because I'm praying. Say something. I need something. And that was the moment I realized that uh, I got to up my game with uh with my kids right so so i have up the game if there's any middle school girls and you're having some just come on my way because i've been praying all right and i came up with uh some relationship dynamics you know uh humility and gossip and those kind of things that are transitioned so but the, the idea was that I need to be ready for those moments I, when, when especially, especially my kids turned to me that, that I want to be ready to give some godly wisdom, some godly counsel um, uh, that's, that's not just kind of cultural stuff that I'm pulling out of the air. That's what not, not what she needed, right? She, she needed some some good, godly wisdom in that moment. We've been in this series, which has been quite an enjoyable series for me to preach and to talk about. We've called it Empowered Kindness, and it's been a series on sharing our faith, that we began by looking at this divine search, the sacred search that God is on for those who are far from him. And many of us heard in that first week that he gives us an invitation to be engaged, to engage our lives on a regular basis in that divine search. We talked in the next week, our starting place. And to remove some of the intimidation or overwhelming sense when we talk about things of evangelism and witness. And we, we talked about how if Christ is the kindness of God revealed to this broken earth, and we're trying to be Jesus to other people, can't we start with kindness? Yes. And so some of you heard the, the challenge, the, the springs challenge of one act of kindness a day? What if it, would it change our lives and our souls? I think it will. If we say, Lord, would you give me an opportunity to be kind to someone today in word or deed? But we didn't want them to be random acts of kindness. What do we want them to be? Spirit-led, with the Spirit's intention of kindness in connection uh, to that. We also talked about could we in our personal times with the Lord be engaged with this divine search? Could we commit as part of the Springs Challenge to pray for one pre-Christian, one Person in our lives, family or friends or coworker or fellow student, someone in our lives that is far from Christ, that does not know the Gospels, not walking with Jesus. Could we commit that we would be praying on a regular basis? Many many years ago in college, I was at a retreat and I heard a speaker, this wonderful little old woman who had committed her life to Jesus. She was talking to us about. Evangelism, and she said the challenge, she said, if you pray for non-Christians in your life, be prepared to do one of two things, to either share or duck, because God is gonna send people your way. If you're one of those that he is looking for, if your life is connected to his grand search, then he's going to give you opportunities. And so this morning, I would like us to look at a story. We're actually going to continue our story of Acts chapter 3, where Peter healed the beggar. And where we saw last week where Peter, uh, he and John, not really told in Scripture, but it must have been that he was prompted by the Spirit. He probably walked by this individual daily, and yet something in him, maybe it was prayers, maybe it was the prompting of the Spirit, maybe it was a direct word, invites this man to receive healing and restoration in faith, and this beggar that they people knew, he, he begged at the gate beautiful, On a regular basis, his legs, even though he was born this way, his legs were were made strong, and he's, he's jumping around in delight. And as he's jumping, they were on their way to the temple to pray. That was their sacred rhythms, to pray. And this man is holding on, and people, and he he must have been filled with joy, and he's celebrating, and all of a sudden, people in the temple that were there to pray, they see this miracle. They recognize the man, and they're like, wow, what is happening? And they start gathering this crowd, and Peter, we're going to read, he looks, and he's like, boy, I I got nothing for them. No, he doesn't. He is not speechless. He is not without words that, that Peter not only heals this man, but he recognizes a divine moment from the Lord to share the gospel, and he is ready to share. So let's continue on this story. Acts chapter 3, we'll start at verse 11. So it says, while the man who was healed held on to Peter and John and all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade, when Peter saw this, when Peter saw this, he he recognizes this moment when Peter saw this he said to them fellow Israelites why does this surprise you why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus you handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and the righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you instead. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this by faith. In the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that he has completely healed him. As you can see, verse 17. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled What he had foretold through the prophets, all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. And times of refreshing, times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore all things. As he promised long ago through the holy prophet. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets And of the covenant of God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham through your offspring. All peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant. He sent him first to you to bless you. By turning each of you from your wicked ways. Now the story goes on again. I encourage you to read the rest of the story. In fact before. Peter gives an opportunity for people to pray in response to the gospel. The religious leaders disrupt and arrest Peter and John. But I want us to look and just observe a few things from this beautiful telling of The gospel. In fact, I I think that we can slow down and reflect on a few of these verses and learn empowered kindness from Peter. And a few things stick out to me from his words. And I think for us, that empowered kindness, yes, indeed is about loving people well, is about showing kindness to people, is about praying for people. But I believe if we're truly doing that, that the Lord is going to give us opportunities to actually share the gospel. And Peter does it in this beautiful way. I want you to feel equipped this morning. I want you to hear and understand the gospel, how to share it, and then be able to share it with loved ones if and when the Holy Spirit gives those opportunities to you. But first I want us to notice a few things about how Peter does it, how Peter recognizes this moment and shares the gospel. Look at verse 13 with me. Just reading verse 13, it feels a little harsh, doesn't it? He says, You disowned, right? He brings it. (laughs) He doesn't pull punches. Right, he he recognizes this moment and re, be mindful of where this is in the story of the early church they had gone through Pentecost the, the church is young and they're spreading it wasn't too far from when Jesus was actually crucified and rose from the dead so the Jews in the temple area they were probably some of those Peter knew them and recognized them they were part, part of them were there when they Shouted for the crucifixion of Christ. So he's speaking probably to, to an audience that he knows them personally and they played a role in the crucifixion of Christ. And, and so it's interesting to me that Peter does not pull back from that truth. He does not withhold So he says that, but he says a number of other things. Like he talks about the prophets of the Old Testament, he talks about covenant, he talks about um, uh, all things. Why do you think he includes Abraham and and the prophets? Why do you think he includes all those things? Because he knows his audience. Peter doesn't just know the gospel. He knows to whom he's speaking to. And I would imagine that he not only knows the people that he's speaking to, but I would imagine, the the scripture doesn't say this, but I I just can't, uh, I just imagine that Peter was praying for them. That that even though they were part of of the, the group of people that yelled for the crucifixion of Jesus, that Peter knew the gospel was for them. Even though they rejected the Messiah, that still God's grace was for them. And I wonder if he was praying and saying, God, would you give me this moment that you would turn their ears towards you? that they would be open to once again hear the story of your son, the story of the Messiah. Peter, when the people are gathering, Peter didn't turn to John and go, John, what, what should I say? Um, do you think I should include the part with Moses or not? No, 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 he was ready because he knew his, congrega- he, his congregation, he knew his people. And the congregation he knew the audience, and he was prepared friends, I think it's important that you and I not just know the gospel but are thinking about the people that are in our lives, and how does the gospel overlap or crossect with the people in our lives. There's another way to think about that: that we are all human and we all struggle with sin. We all struggle with distance from God. We all have longings that in many ways can be good. And yet we can all go in the gutter. We come from different cultures and different generations. Perhaps our sin that we struggle with can be slightly different than others, right? And yet, everyone needs the gospel, everyone needs forgiveness and restoration. I don't know who it is for your, how it is for your friends and your family, your parents or your children or your coworkers, but somehow the gospel intersects in a dramatic way with their lives and part of joining God's search as we pray for those people saying, God, how does your goodness intersect with that person's? Thinking of a friend, I have won't name him, but that sense of loneliness and isolation must be there. And I'm praying for an opportunity to sh- demonstrate how the gospel is God coming close to us and healing that loneliness and sense of lostness and desperation. I think perhaps one of the most brilliant examples of this is the Apostle Paul. When he's on his missionary journeys and he's experiencing different cultures and different contexts. I love when he goes to Athens and he, and he doesn't encounter Jews. He, he encounters philosophers, Greek philosophers. So as he tours the the city of Athens, he sees all of these altars and there is this human universal longing for something beyond us, yes? Something divine. Something more than who we are. And and Paul recognizes that in the city of Athens. And then he's finally given this, this moment before the philosophers. And listen to what he says. He says to them, this is Acts 17, 23. He says, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Can you imagine Paul walking in the city said, boy, I could use that someday. Boy, that's a beautiful hunger and expression for more. For God, I'm I'm gonna tuck this in my, God, would you give me a, give give me an opportunity to connect with a culture that has this expression. So you are arrogant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. He's saying, I'm going to clear up the arrogance. I'm going to. We the Jews have revelation and we'll share it with you. He even goes on to quote some of their own poets. He he studied their lives. Yes, Paul, Paul knew the gospel and can share the gospel, but he was praying and longing and thinking and processing, saying, how does the gospel intersect with these people? What what Paul and Peter was demonstrating is that they didn't just know the revelation of God, but they were seeking to cooperate with the Spirit and looking for those points of connection with those who don't know Christ. Christ. Another thing that struck me from his sharing of the gospel is his his focus on Jesus Christ himself. He not only connects to the lostness, but right away from beginning to end, whether prophets, Abraham, the patriarchs, he is connecting them, and the gospel message is centered on the person of Jesus Christ Christ in part i say this is because in my greatest moments of doubt in my life when i've when i've wrestled most profoundly when when in those moments that i was willing i admit to you to throw out an awful lot of the christian faith to throw out church and fellowship to throw out the Bible, to be honest with you. You know what I couldn't throw out? I couldn't throw out Jesus. I, I, I couldn't let go of him. And not to mention that he is the best part of our faith, yes? Yes? The, the, the fact that we get his voice in our hearts, yes, that, that, that's, we don't want to let go of that. So oftentimes if I'm talking with non-Christians and I'm really unsure where to go, I know always it's a good thing to talk about Jesus. To say, what, what do you think about Jesus? What would, what would Jesus say so that perspective I, I love how how Peter uses the two these two titles in these beautiful ways verse 14 he refers to Jesus as the holy and the righteous one he in fact is connecting probably some of the thinking with Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, they re- reflect the Messiah, the holy and the righteous, that he would be a holy and righteous one. But also there's a little bit of a challenge in there. The Jewish people would only think there's only one who is holy and righteous and that is God and God alone. And then, the, and then the second phrase in verse 15 and the irony that drips from this title, you killed God. The author of life. A powerful connect. Not just showing Jesus divinity, but his uniqueness. He's unlike anyone else. Again, Paul demonstrates this in Acts 17 was when he was in Thessalonica. He says to them, as was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. At one point, Paul would say, this is all I'm going to talk about. Jesus Christ crucified. The center of the message. That is the center of the message that we bring Are we sharing, are we introducing, as we would introduce a friend to another friend, as we would introduce our spouse to someone else, are we introducing Jesus to others? The heart of evangelism. Now, my family knows this, that I have literally been waiting Years, years for Mormon missionaries to knock on my door, right? I've been, <laughs> did this in Holland, Michigan when I lived there, did this today. And there's been times like I see the Mormon missionaries work in the neighborhood, right? And I'm like praying up and they have never come to my house. I think it's spiritual attack, Right? And so I've been waiting. Well, about a month ago, guess what? Mm -hmm. I did, I did. It was two young guys. You know what? I I actually, I I have so much admiration for young folks that would say, hey, we're going to take two years. We're not going to go off to college. We're not going to be off on our own thing. And we are going to focus on our faith. I think that's awesome. I think that's I think that's great, and so they're there and we share and they of course my little puppy he's like everybody loves my little puppy they're like ah so they're like, my puppy and so we're talking and back and forth and I'm like so you're on a missionary journey yeah two years where are you sharing about that and then I'm like I'm just gonna be full disclosure I'm not gonna try and surprise them and so I'm like so you know I am a pastor. Of a Christian church, and they're like, Oh, well, that's cool. So we start talking, and I figure I'm just gonna cut to the chase, right? I say, Hey, you know, I have some passages of scripture from the New Testament that are so intriguing that they make me really believe that Jesus is God. And I know that in the Mormon faith, you guys revere Jesus as. Savior and Lord, even the Son of God, but, but you don't hold to Him as divine, as, as at least God. Would you be interested in me sharing some of these passages of Scripture? Pregnant pause. They said, yes. said, yes. Said, Great, come on in. So we walk through the, the living room and... And uh, Cambria was sleeping on the couch, right? Later, she's like, Dad, why would you bring people? I'm like, I've been waiting for this for years. <laughs> Go up in your room and sleep. So anyways, we're in the back. We're in the back. I get them water, no caffeine. And so I just share. I share first from the beginning of Gospel of John. Word was with God and the word was God and then a little later in chapter 1 verses 14 it says and the word became flesh and they're talking about Jesus it's like that's pretty direct it's pretty direct and then at, at the end of the gospel we turn to the end of the gospel where, where Thomas is doubting and Jesus appears resurrected and and then Thomas sees and believes and touches His side and Thomas says, My Lord and my God. At those statements kind of bookend the gospel of John, and I think that John is saying something to us in bookending the gospel. And then, you know. Jedediah did not know this, but I go to Revelation, what we said together, that moment in Revelation 4, when they're waiting that no one is to open the scroll and there's a silence in heaven. So I kind of explain the context to them. And then it says, the lamb comes and is at the center of of the throne of God Jesus is at the center of the throne of God and I said what do you think and no joke one of them goes I got I got nothing And the other one, he was really nice. He was like, well, I, you know what? I, I'm going to write these scriptures down in my own study and meditation. I, I, I'm going to reflect on them. I'm like, do you guys go through any training? They're like, not really. I was like, oh, because I was really hoping for a debate that they prepared. And, you know, I blessed them. I invited them here. Who knows? They could be here. This was a month ago. But, and they said, we might come. I said, that would be awesome. Just trying to pay attention to to what the Lord might be doing in that moment. What would be the seeds that I could plant? I mean, it would have been awesome if they'd said, we'd like to pray to this Jesus of new time. I didn't think that was going to happen. I I said, what's the way that I, I could direct them to Jesus? What's the a few things that I would love for them to reflect and be mindful of. I think that's part of evangelism, to be a link in that chain. And finally, just one last principle, I think, from Peter's sharing of the gospel is that Peter's sharing of the gospel is not life insurance for after you die. Do you notice that? It's not, I hear a lot of, especially growing up, heard a lot of gospel sharing where it's just about keeping your nose clean until you get to heaven after you pray the prayer. That was not Peter's rendition. In fact, he shares the kingdom story. In a very intriguing, Matthew 24, 14, on Jesus' lips, this phrase is found. It is, and the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. Did you know the kingdom is involved in the gospel? Yes, the gospel is Jesus Christ. Yes, the good news is the love of God. Forgiveness, absolutely. But the gospel isn't just personal and individual. It's a message for the entire world. Look at verse 19. Three words I want you to think about is repent, which is typical in any gospel, Christian gospel presentation, but he says this, repent, he says, turn away from your sins, yes, absolutely, but then he goes on to say, and towards whom? God. The gospel is not just about the removal of sin and breaking the power of sin, which absolutely it is, it's a part of that, but the gospel is also having the ability that we get to turn our lives and our attention toward God, the one true living God. It's not just away from sin, but towards something, towards the author of our lives. And then he uses this phrase that I used to never use in my gospel presentation? Times of refreshing. Times of refreshing. Did that strike you when we read it? Why would he, I mean, this was a big moment, right? why, why did he use the phrase times of refreshing? You see, because Peter's gospel Is not just about the future. It's not just about when you die, you get to go to heaven. Peter's gospel was that right now, in this moment, we get the presence of God, the renewal of God. Uh, as this beggar that Peter healed by the power of God. Do you think that was a moment of refreshing for that beggar? You betcha, yes. That, That the gospel is just not about God's grace and favor when at the end of days. That the gospel is about the here and now and we get to experience times of God's grace and mercy and goodness and closeness in our lives today. Times of refreshing. I want my gospel presentations or conversations to include times of refreshing and then finally other word is restore everything. Restore all things. What do you think he's talking about then? He's talking about when this Messiah comes back a second time and everything is made right. Now, the Jews would get that. Old Testament Jews would understand that. So I realize in our contexts, most of us are not going to be speaking to Jews, but I want you to be mindful of the larger story of the gospel, that our lives are are meant to be not just living for when we die, but living for the here and now when all things are restored. All right. I'm going to take a few moments to have a little bit of fun. Oh, boy. Is that okay? Just a few moments? We're going to go super fast. I thought I wanted to give you a way of sharing the gospel that is, is simple and a little fun, hopefully memorable. You can take some notes down there. I've asked our newly acquired pastor, Jedediah, if he would role play for us. All right. And so we're gonna role play. Do you need that, Jedediah? We're gonna pretend that Jedediah ha- and I have a relationship that we've been talking about the Lord, um, that he's not a Christian, All Excuse right?
1: me, is anyone there? Yep. Yeah, thanks. Could I get the, the French onion with the bread bowl?
0: He started the role play at Panera Bread. You're I'm at of, Panera Bread. You're and out of bread religious.
1: bowls? You made me wait to get my order in and you're out of bread bowls? There's literally one reason I come here. I'm, Fine, just gave it to me regular, whatever. Oh, hey, Eric, what's up?
0: Well, oh, hey, Jadadai, good to see you. What are uh, you doing here? Just, you know,
1: not getting a bread bowl.
0: Not getting a bread bowl, huh?
1: <laughs> hey, actually, I'm really glad I saw you. I've been meaning to say, I wanted to let you know my kid is is feeling a lot better. Oh, and, when
0: we prayed. For... Yeah, and
1: like yeah. The, the when you heard that and you got in touch with me and you wanted to do that for me, that meant a lot. So thanks.
0: That was Thanks. awesome. That was my, my privilege, yeah, my yeah. honor.
1: Anyway, I wanted to say I appreciate that. Okay. Thanks. Yep. Hey,
0: Jedediah, I have yeah. a question for you. Yeah, what? Has anyone ever, I mean, we've been talking about, and we've talked about pieces of this Christian faith thing. Has anyone ever kind of painted the, the big picture for you like the, the big story of the Bible before? Kinda, maybe. Okay. Not really, I guess. No. If you if you had a couple of minutes, I I would I would love to share kind of that big story with you. If you yeah, wanna... sure.
1: Do you have a couple of minutes? I have I a couple.
0: minutes. I'm studying here, but I don't yeah, know what pastors
1: do during the week, but.
0: It's really. Uh, I mean, I only work one day a week, so I get okay. to read the other. So. Sure.
1: Yeah. Well, let me um, let me pull a chair up. Yeah. Real quick. Snag
0: yeah. A, a stool.
1: Yeah.
0: And. Um,
1: I'm waiting for food anyway.
0: All right, good. So four, four ideas kind of capture um, the big story of the Bible. Maybe you've heard of, of some of those. Have okay. you ever heard of the, the story of Adam and Eve? Even though people are, if they weren't raised in church, they've heard yeah. Adam and Eve. Yeah. And, yeah, there's
1: like the snake.
0: Snake and stuff, yes. And like yes.
1: Uh, Apple's logo is based off of this, I think. That's,
0: yes, that is correct. Yes, even though I have an Apple laptop right here. Yeah. So, so that, that idea, that's right at the beginning of the Bible. It's the first couple of chapters in the whole Bible. And it's called the creation story. When God, according to scripture, Christians believe that God created all things and it was good. He created, if I'll just draw this one circle Okay. And I'm going to write creation up above. That he created the oceans and the sky. He even, as kind of the climactic moment of creation, Adam and Eve. And in that story, there was nothing bad. There was no hurricanes, as we've heard about in the, some other, think of the bad stuff in the world.
1: Like sickness and like...
0: Sickness, uh, cancer, all that stuff. Was that a part of creation according to the Bible, the first couple of chapters? No. Hmm. Now you brought up the apple. Yeah. All right, so what God did is he not only created all things good, but he also created Adam and Eve with the ability to choose. He said, I, I love you, I want to walk in this relationship with you, but I'll let you choose to rebel. And that, that's symbolized in the one, they don't call it an apple, but that's kind of, everybody thinks it's an apple, mm-hmm. but that fruit. He says, you can eat of all the trees in the Garden of Eden, but just this one tree, don't, don't eat that one tree that represented choosing their own way and going their own way. Mm-hmm. And you know what they did? right apple logo
1: yeah snow white
0: snow white yes she yep she deceived and she took a bite so i draw this speaking of
1: apple do you mind if i grab my food real quick is that okay
0: food thank you for holding true to the role play (laughs) so i'm going to draw the next circle and the bible calls this the fall and I'm going to draw some squiggly lines because that's where the, the pain and the struggle entered into our world, mm-hmm. where hurricanes and sickness and, and cancer, and not only that, but they no longer got to walk in a personal relationship with their creator, with the author of their lives. That happens in just the first part of the Bible in in Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. The rest of the Bible, the center of the Bible, is God saying, I'm not gonna leave people separated from me. I'm not gonna leave people broken and lost and in rebellion as Adam and Eve chose. And that's where the story of Jesus comes in. Okay. Just draw a cross here, it's kind of like a bridge. It says, even though that God is a God of justice and his righteousness and and he holds, there's consequences for sin, so that I'm gonna send my own son to live a perfect life, to die on that cross. And it begin to heal and redeem the world. Does that make sense? What do you think of when you think of the word? It's kind of a it's a it's a bigger word. Yeah. Redemption.
1: Uh, coupons.
0: Coupons. Yeah, yeah. You get to uh, redeem something, and you get a discount. You you get something. Yeah. That you want. Yeah. So Jesus, by by Jesus dying on the cross, I'm going to put a little arrow across like it's a bridge. It says you get to experience the love and kindness of God, that Jesus will take our sin upon him, and he'll redeem our lives. He'll give us, he'll grant us forgiveness and the love of God newness of life, new life, that's why some churches are called, new life, new hope that no longer will we be stuck just wrestling with the consequences of sin but he gives us new life does that make sense?
1: yeah I think I think I'm tracking,
0: alright yeah. so we have creation and fall redemption and I'm just going to include this one idea, it's a final circle up top that someday, according to the Bible, Christians believe that this Jesus who died on the cross will come back and he'll heal all things and that the Garden of Eden that was lost in the beginning will be restored and life like it was with God in Eden will be made whole today somewhere in the future. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I've shared a little with you. You know, it was super tough when the kid was sick. I mean, you talk about this, like, fall stage. That's just sort of what the life yeah. felt like, you know, when my ex left and then that kind of rift with even my family and stuff. And I mean, I'm not perfect, but I kind of, whatever. <laughs> Anyway, that's cool. I don't know. What is that? I don't know. What do I do with that?
0: Well, Jedidiah I can give this to you, and you can think about it. Okay. If you have questions, next time we run across from each other, we can yeah. ask. But also, the Lord invites us to pray a prayer to receive yeah. Christ. Is that something that you'd like to do today?
1: And. Get this, like, redemption stuff?
0: Yeah, and get from here... Yeah. ...fall to redemption.
1: I'd love to, but I'm really hungry, and my soup is cold, and I think these people are waiting for their food, too.
0: Yes, communion. Do we need... Should we lead communion in this moment? All right. So that's just one story. Almost never when I share the gospel... Have I seen people immediately respond? Sometimes, sometimes I have. Oftentimes it's a process, it's a conversation that we're loving people well and inviting them in. There are times when I talk about admit, believe, and receive and see people give their lives to Christ. I think it would be incredible if our community of faith was praying for those in our lives that are far from God, we're doing spirit-led acts of kindness and we're ready to share the truth of Jesus as the spirit gives us opportunity. Let's pray. So Father, you have the most incredible story that this world can ever know, that you have not given up on us, that you are inviting us to recover all that we've lost from the garden and relationship with you. Lord, thank you that your message as we share in this communion, we proclaim your gospel until you return. I'd like to invite the elders forward. Most of you know how we do sacrament of communion. When we have, when we uh, do it in this way, we have a, a station for each section. The appropriate time. If you could exit to your right. Take the elements from the elders and then hold on to them. Don't take them up front, but would you return to your seat to your left? We like sometimes to take communion together as a whole community of faith, as a sign of unity. It was the night in which Jesus was betrayed that after he took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it and he said to his disciples, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in a similar way, after dinner, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is a new covenant Saying a new relationship, a new life, a way of walking in covenant with the author of our lives, with the creator of our lives. Do this in remembrance of me. When we take the sacrament, we proclaim the gospel. We proclaim that it was Jesus, his shed blood and his broken body that took our sins and gives us new life. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've committed your life, would you come and receive all is ready? People of God, His precious body, there's no other name, there's no other Savior, there is no other author of life, there is no other holy and righteousness one but Jesus Christ Himself. Take, eat, take, and drink. Would you go, in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, would you go as bearers of this message? You are jars of clay containing a treasure. Would you share it with those who love you? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.